Hello, and welcome to the Blaze Grants. I'm your host, Derek Azoes, and you are joining us for episode 110 today. Episode 110 is going to be about the Outer Worlds for the first time. So I just did uh, a seven-hour stream of this yesterday. I'm recording this on a Friday. And I had also streamed the game for about three or four hours before that. So I was anticipating that within that seven-hour stream, I might be able to finish that game. But um, I only got about a third of the way through, so <laughs> I still have a long way to go. But I have enjoyed the game, and I've at least played enough of the game now that I can give an introduction on the game, and that's kind of what this episode is. So anyone that's newer to the game, this episode serves as an introduction to that game and basically tells you kind of what the game is about, what you can expect from the game, and kind of um, what you're getting to when you play it. But as usual, we have some news at the top of the show. Our next podcast you're going to hear is actually going to be um, a little bit away. It's going to be a Game of the Year episode for the Blaze Experience. So for the first time I'm doing a Game of the Year episode, I have a panel that's going to come on with me, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite games. We're going to kind of um, use a point system, which I'll explain during that episode. And basically we're going to have our favorite games and uh, see which one actually wins Game of the Year for the Blaze Experience. So... I will be getting with that panel um, soon, probably this weekend, and telling them uh, what we're going to do for listing purposes. And I may actually include uh, community voting in that, too. So we'll be getting to that soon. That being said, that is our next episode. That's probably going to happen, I would say, around like New Year's that'll drop, something like that. For patrons, I'm going to try and drop it early for patrons and then release it to everyone else uh, sometime after that. So if you're a patron member, you'll probably hear that episode earlier. If you're a non-patron, it will drop just probably um, right around New Year's is what I guess. I'm going to kind of save that for a New Year's episode. And as far as streaming goes, we stream on Mixer.com slash Blaze Experience, of course. But uh, yesterday's stream was our last stream for 2019. Because I am taking a content break. Uh, I'm going to be doing no streams and no podcasts except for, obviously, that Game of the Year episode. I will come back to making content in January. It's probably going to end up being about mid-January. Um, I have a lot going on in my personal life right now. And I'm trying to settle up with all that. Trying to get everything squared away. And I'm going to use this break to um, also, at the same time kind of focus on how I can improve my content when I return because the stuff in my personal life I feel like has affected my content lately and I want to take some time away to try and uh, recoup and kind of, you know, reinvigorate uh, myself into my content. So I will be back. Uh, it'll be sometime mid-January probably. But, you know, hopefully you enjoy uh, The Outer Worlds as much as I did because we're going to talk about that now. So here with me to talk about The Outer Worlds he was in the party chat with me uh, for the whole stream, telling me his thoughts of things. Please welcome back to the podcast again, Zombie Killer. How are you, Zombie? Good, good. So I actually enjoyed uh, the Outer Worlds a lot so far. I, I played about a third of the game from what we said, <laughs> and um, you've played through the whole game. So have have you enjoyed the game as well? Yeah, I, I love playing the Outer Worlds. Like it was it was a lot of fun. Like to obviously like dive into this world and get into know all these different backstories of different characters. Like I I personally enjoyed it. Three days worth spent in my opinion. <laughs> and in your opinion, is this a game that offers a lot of replayability where you can go back in and play a bunch of times over? 
Um, it does because you can play in a different method that you did before. For example, obviously I know you're doing the passive run where you just basically use all your charm to get past situations like the passive uh, persuasion run. Right. Uh, I did the exact same thing. I'll be honest, I did the exact same thing and it was a lot of fun to do because half the people in this game are stupid and you can just lie to their face and it's hilarious to do. Um, but yeah, if I wanted to do, I could go back back there, replay some choices that I didn't pick the first time around or just fought, be aggressive and just murder everybody that's in my way if I wanted to. So That is true. Yeah. I might know. Well, I, I also apple. went for like a different route than a lot of people probably go for too because I did go heavy on um, dialogue. So heavy on, you know, persuasion, uh, lying, intimidation, that way I can get those um, automatic dialogue checks. But I also went heavy on my one-handed melee ability, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, probably go for the guns more, but I wanted to do, like, a more melee playthrough. So I have a a lot of, you know, one-handed melee still. Well, yeah, as well. Like, I found that, like, I've never... I haven't seen people like use that yet with dialogue and one-handed weapons. Like it was a unique one that I hadn't seen like played out before, but it it does work well. Um, uh, I did I, I I didn't do that. I went with obviously as you said previously, um, using firearms and dialogue. Yeah, I think it's just a more unique way to do it with um you know one-handed melee. I do need some better weapons. Um, so hopefully the game offers some better ones in the future, but. Like, right now, my hammer that I use, uh, it's like 140, 150 damage per second, so it's not, like, the greatest in the world, but it's, like, it's good enough for where I'm at. I'm at, like, a level 12 right now, so for where I'm at, it's decent enough. Um, I'd say, yeah, i say it would be. It's a slightly under average, but not that bad to the point where you need to replace it yet. Right. I just don't know where to get better weapons for melee, because, like, it seems like they never offer melee weapons. It's always, like, guns, that's it. <laughs> well, you can, get, you can get them on the, uh, Groundbreaker. In the vending machine, there's a there's an edged weapon there that's one bladed. I did tell you about this on the stream. Just saying. Right, but you said that was like thousands of uh, bits to get that. So I don't have thousands of bits yet. It was it, it was like I think it's like seven hundred bits. I said it was. Well, I'll have to go back in there and check it out. So. Yes, you will. But I have found some cool guns though. I mean, I did find a grenade launcher, which is kind of fun to use. Um. And probably my favorite weapon to use right now is actually a flamethrower. I don't know if you found any flamethrowers, but I keep burning people alive with a flamethrower, which is kind of fun. Okay, so a pyromaniac. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> I well, mean, I, I did play a lot of MOAs in Borderlands 3, so, you know. Uh, tr- true, true, very true. It is fun to actually burn people alive on that game. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I found flamethrowers, and then I sell them immediately because money. <laughs> but it's a flamethrower. I mean, don't you want to just watch the people burn and just, you know, stand back and be like, oh, damn, that must have sucked, dude. I'm sorry. I have a plasma that is, cannon that, move on. that could do the exact same thing. But that's plasma. No one likes plasma. People like fire. They're the same thing. No, one is plasma, one is fire. I mean, plasma does more damage. Know. Like, what is that supposed to be? Like a plasma maniac? I mean, no, a pyromaniac works better. Yeah, but who calls somebody a plasma maniac? Exactly. So just be a pyroman, I can't say it. No, I'm alright. <laughs> no, I think I have seen like an energy-based weapon that's uh, not the flamethrower, but I don't think I ended up purchasing it. It was like, it wasn't really uh, the same DPS, it was less DPS, I'm like, eh, it's not really that myself, so. Honestly, the weapons in the game so far, they seem um, 
I wouldn't say they're generic, but I would say they don't have a lot of as much depth to them as, uh, say like a Borderlands. Like I just, you know, obviously played a lot of Borderlands. We did a lot of podcasting about that and Borderlands definitely is more geared towards their weapons and they have a lot more depth than what weapons you have. Um, I would say Outer Worlds, it's not really too heavy on the weapon focus. You have some unique and interesting weapons, but I would say Outer Worlds is where its strong suit is, is in the story. And I don't know if you agree with that or not. Um, yeah, I agree that its strong suit's in the story, but it's because you haven't seen all the weapons you can get when you get to, like, uh, halfway through the game. Uh, especially since, like, you start to pick up more unique weapons that are a lot better than standard weapons in the game. I'm pretty sure since you killed um, Captain McReed, you get a unique weapon off of him. Okay, so... well, I mean, I'm speaking from, you know, playing about a third of the game, you know, I'm about, like, 33% into the game, something like that, we said. And basically, from that point, there's not really a lot of unique weapons, is what I would say, so. Yeah. A lot of so it, maybe, maybe they stack everything in the back half. A lot of it is just, like, building it up, and then, as, yeah, as you just said uh, perfectly, they back most of it up to like, the back half of the game, because you're going to need it then. Because, yeah, but, I mean, tougher, so. one thing I haven't actually done anything with yet, and you kind of told me a little bit about it on stream, but I never got to try it yet, is there's actually weapon mods you can do. So, like, I guess you can improve your weapons and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, uh, you can add weapon mods to, like, give them di different, like, sights like accuracy damage output uh you can also tinker with your weapons as well that's the i think i hadn't explained to you yet um so you tinker with a weapon and you improve its overall damage so you make the weapon better to your level so say for example you have um for example your hammer right you uh, right, that probably correct. be like a level like four three hammer right you can make that um, a, a level 12 hammer by tinkering with it and it would have better DPS overall. Interesting. Uh, how would I be able to do that? So you'd you'd go into the weapon station, and one of them's called uh, one of the things called tinkering. You have to waste uh, your bits doing it though. And how many bits does it cost? Like this is a super expensive thing to do. Is it like buying it weapon goes or up. like what? It goes up as you keep purchasing it. So you I think you start at a hundred, and by the time you've done like your fifth or sixth one, you're you're up there in like nearly two thousand for just one upgrade. Okay, but. I mean, if it's a good enough weapon, that doesn't sound that bad, though. Yeah, it's it's not that half bad. But when I when I started tinkering my weapons, I did it about halfway through the game because it was much better doing it then than it was later. Well, wouldn't you so, just yeah. do it a couple times throughout the game? Um. Uh, well, I did. You like you could do whatever playthrough you want of like doing it like that. But for me, I did it about halfway through the game when I realized it was an actual thing that made my weapons better because I only realized at that point. But, oh, gotcha. Like, okay. It may, but again, it makes it ten times better towards the back end of the game if you have these better weapons. So that makes sense. I mean, uh, tinkering versus weapon mods. What would you say is more helpful? Because it sounds like tinkering is better, and weapon mods is just kind of like, eh, what's, what's the thing? Okay, yeah. Tinkering, definitely. And the weapon mods, you do that at a weapon station as well. Uh, yes. And for the people at home, and also myself that haven't tried this yet, uh, where would you find weapon stations mostly? Uh, well, you can find one on uh, the Unreliable. It's in the uh, cargo hold, and uh, one of your companions will always be there. Um, okay. And uh, it's in the cargo hold um, to the, um, as you come through the do double doors once you first once you first enter your ship. If you're trying to find the cargo hold, it's to the left-hand side of you when you first enter the ship. And then once you're in there, you then look left and you'll see it. 
uh, 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 like the weapon station there, so you can start tinkering on your ship. But you can find them scattered around in cities as well. You just have to search for all them. Alright, well, I think when I get back into the game, that's one of the um, first things I'm going to do once I get to my next destination. So, that sounds yeah. good. But that's kind of uh, how weapons and tinkering and things like that work in the game. But we should probably talk about what the overarching story of the game is. Because basically you jump in the game and what is like the main story of the game zombie? Obviously not spoiling the story, but what is like the main purpose of your character? Okay, so um, the main purpose of your character is uh, they, get reawa- uh, they get reawakened from a cryo sleep on the ship called the Hope. And this Hope was sent in to help the colony that, um, that the whole game is based around. Uh, Halion, and uh, your sent uh, this hope ship was sent in to actually help them because on the brink of total collapse, and you're the only one who could be woke up because doing it to the rest of them, um, basically y- you don't have the resources to open them. So your job as the only person who's awake from the hope itself after it disappeared about fifty years ago is to basically free all your colonists out of cryo sleep. And bring about this new uh, generation to Halion. Right, and basically uh, a little bit more about this hope thing. Essentially, it was a ship of like the best and brightest people, correct? And they all got yes. um, lost, essentially? Uh, yes, uh, they disappeared 50 years ago before the game actually took place. And I don't know a ton about the story yet, but can you spoil whether in throughout the story, do we find out more about what happened with that? Um... Uh, bits that's that's what i can say you find you find bits out about it yeah because i don't know a ton about it right now i just know that basically they woke me up and my job is to try and uh wake everyone else up that way um the person that woke me up phineas he basically is like a international criminal that you know is being hunted by the board and basically he wants me to wake everyone else up that way we can kind of retake control of the world essentially is that accurate yeah uh, well, not the whole world, but of Halion's colony, because obviously right, he's right. realised that they're on the brink of collapse, and the only thing, the only people that can actually do something about it is the colonists that are on the hope right now. And this whole practice of putting people into cryo sleep and stuff like that is that a practice that, uh, to our knowledge, they still continue. Um, putting people into cryo sleep. Um, there's an idea about it throughout the game. But I can't go more into it because it, st- it spoils the story. All right. Yeah, I figured it might have spoilers, so I, I figured I'd ask. But uh, so that's kind of you know gives you some intrigue for the people at home of where the kind of story is going a little bit. There might be some uh, potential nefarious actions with the board. There might not be, but you have to kind of play the game to uh, figure out what's going on with that situation. But when you make your character at the beginning of the game. You get to assign them, I forget what it's called, but you get to assign them like one, um, it's not an attribute and it's not a perk, but it's like one, I guess, job title that gives you a bonus or something. And basically, I assign my guy as the sous chef, which gave him extra uh, one-handed melee. So, I don't know what you pick, Zombie, but um, that was like my kind of pre-game bonus, I guess you call it. Yeah, um... Those bonuses that you give uh, give you is what defines your actual uh, character's uh, personality and what they were before they even came to the Hope. So it gives them some kind of backstory rather than it just being this unknown who woke up on the Hope and was like, 
oh, I've got to go and do this now. It gives your character a backstory. So for me, I picked uh, being a medical professional. So that way I had a plus one in my skill of uh, having medical practice. Just in case that situation came about. Makes sense. I, I was the sous chef, so, you know, I figured that uh, Phineas woke me up because he was hungry. So that's what I figured. But <laughs> I'm like, oh, he, he must be hungry. All right, what do you got in the cupboard here? Yep, turns out he has nothing. I know. And then I had to go around the colony, you know, and try and search for food for him. So it didn't work out that well. But, <laughs> but basically, when you uh, get out of this cryo sleep and everything, the game kind of takes you to where... Um, I guess you are supposed to meet someone named Hawthorne. I won't spoil what happens with that, but basically you end up in the first main place of the game, which is Edgewater. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Edgewater without like spoiling the whole Edgewater storyline? Um, so uh, you obviously you get dropped into Edgewater. Right now, it, it's basically it's an industrial city on the planet of Terra Two. Terra Two is just one of the many planets that you will get to see throughout the game um but yeah edgewater is a town industrial town who who are just barely on the brink of surviving right now they basically have a lot of stuff going on and you come in based uh, like at the point of where they're nearly at the the point of total collapse and then obviously that leads into more story stuff and then there's a whole um i won't spoil what goes on with it too much but there's like a a fear of a plague in there so you kind of investigate that more yeah figure out what's going on with that but that's one place you can go, and then there's some outcasts from Edgewater, which you can meet as well, and that's kind of like another faction. Um, we won't get into what, why they're outcasts or anything like that, but they are more people you can meet, so you have that storyline there as well. So um, one of your first main choices of the game uh, kind of relates to um, that faction, actually. Yep. Couldn't put, it better, couldn't put it better myself, yeah. That's the first major decision you make towards the end of the game. Yeah, and you, you'll have, you have, you have to, to play it to find out what that decision is uh, involving. But, um, you know, what we've said so far, I think, will provide some intrigue for you on what's going on. Um, another place you can go to is Monarch. What is Monarch about? This is a place that I just got to when we ended stream pretty much. So I haven't explored Monarch a ton, but I um, have arrived there at least. Okay, so without obviously getting into the plot of it because you've only just arrived there, right? Um Monarch is, um, me, you wouldn't believe it, this if I told you, but Monarch is a moon. Interesting. Yeah, it's a moon, uh, that has, a, it's a, it's a very toxic, so it's, it's like Alpes? Not like Alpes, because this moon is, is full of corrosive, dangerous animals, and it's a brutal planet to be on. Oh, as trust wi- me, I, as, I've already <laughs> noticed that. Yes, <laughs> I've already as Blaze witnessed when he walked out just from out the main safe zone, I was immediately attacked, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a very brutal planet. Probably the hardest place on the planet, uh, on, on on in the whole place that you go to. Monarch's probably the hardest place that you're gonna like be up against the wall a lot when you hit Monarch because a lot of things are gonna want to kill you there. Uh, it's not a very safe planet at all uh, because most of the things want to kill you, and there's only a few safe settlements scattered around the planet. So essentially, Which is no the, good. <laughs> so essentially, the main tagline of it is. The bandits and Nate and the wildlife have control. It's pretty much how I'd yeah. describe it. And it's definitely a dangerous place from what I've seen so far. Yeah. Don't expect a warm welcome when you get there. 
because you won't get one. But um, another place you can go to is Groundbreaker. What is Groundbreaker? So Groundbreaker is uh, another massive ship. And the Groundbreaker is essentially like a trading hub for like most of your stuff in the game. So uh, that's where you'll do a lot of your trading and stuff like that from time to time. Rather than having to go to vending machines, there's all these people around the Groundbreaker that you could go to that give out different unique things. Um, and there's... There's a few factions that are represented around there, but I won't get into that yet. But um, essentially, this is it's it's essentially a hub for people that want to get away from Terra Two and flee to another planet. Right, and basically, from the little story I got, it seems like um, Groundbreaker is one of the places that's the least controlled by the board. It sounds like. Yes, uh, the Groundbreaker has independent control. Um, and basically what that means is because the board are basically uh, the law, and they control right. what happens on all the planets apart from this ship called the Groundbreaker. Uh, because the leader of them, uh, June Lei, um, she was able to make a deal where she kind of screwed the board, and basically now they can't get a hold on it because June Lei won't let them have it. So it's the only place where you can get away with uh, killing a, represent- a representative of the board on the ship and no one else will attack you. Because <laughs> the Groundbreaker could, could, could care less about the board because they're independent. And it's the only place that's independent in the game. So Yeah, so I could kill um, Udom, whatever his name is, and you know people wouldn't be mad about it. Yep, exactly. No one would care. They'd be glad. <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, you're a hero, dude. Good job. Yeah, they'd be like, good job, yeah. But that's the Groundbreaker. Um, a place that I haven't been to yet, which you said is not part of the main story, is Cilia. You want to talk about that at all? Uh, so Cilia, uh, you go there to do a few side missions, mostly fetch quests. I'm pretty sure you have to do one main mission where you go there for a fetch quest. It isn't really that important, Cilia. But it's a place that you could explore in your free time as well. Uh, it's always an option to go there and explore. But essentially what Cilia is, is it's an asteroid. And these miners came there and they put force fields around certain points around uh, this asteroid so people can actually live there. But people don't live there anymore. It's more of an abandoned place where you see just a few people scattered around. The most thing you're going to encounter there are bandits and wildlife. There's no safe haven when you're on there. Fair enough. So that is Cilia. I mean, it sounds like a place that's not got too much going on. Kind of like... um. My favorite planet in Borderlands 3, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, there is another place, too, that I had to do a couple of quick uh, missions on, which I believe was called Rosewater. Is that correct? Uh, Roseway. Uh, Roseway. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Roseway. Roseway, is, again, it's on Terra 2, which is your beginning planet, and it's another town within there. But um, with Roseway, it's a place where um, it's owned by a different faction. Actually, and I can actually mention these because you've actually met them. Um, but yeah, it's owned by a company uh, called Anticleo, and they're at war with Space's Choice, who are the leaders of uh, Edgewater. All these companies, by the way, all report to the big head, which is obviously the board. Yes, and Anticleo, they're uh, big rivals of Cleo from State of Decay, so they really hate them. You could say that, or you could say they'd be in a partnership with them, maybe, I don't know, because Cleo's in the name. But yeah. No, they're anti-Cleo, so you know, all those Red Talon people in Red State of Decay 2, they don't like them. Nah, it's, it's like, basically oh. just saying, oh, you have Cleo from State of Decay, and then you have Grandma Cleo <laughs> from our worlds. And, and anyone that's not familiar with State of Decay as well, that's like, just listen to this episode, they're probably like, wait, what? What are you talking about? So. 
<laughs> uh, I'm not going to get into that because we'll be here all the bloody day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah. but um, is there anywhere else that we should mention that you know isn't like spoilery too much? I mean, that's kind of like some of the main places that I've seen uh, heard about. Um, I'm pretty sure I've said all of them without obviously spoiling where other places you can go is because. Obviously, Blaze, you haven't advanced that far in the story yet, and there are a lot more places you can go to, but... Well, I will investigate them when time comes. Yep. But uh, we can kind of get into the inventory system a little bit. So, basically, uh, the inventory system shouldn't be a big surprise to a lot of people that are familiar with RPGs or anything like this. Um, it's kind of a similar feel to it, you know. You get a bag full of crap, and basically you can equip um, four items. You equip an armor slot. You have a, a helmet slot you can equip to, and basically you just uh, switch your items out, sell them, whatever you want to do. There is a carrying capacity that caps out at some point, I believe, right, zombie? But I haven't actually hit that capacity before, so. It's never been an issue for me, but um, maybe for some people, if they're like to afford a lot, it might be an issue for you. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, you can get over in Clumbered in, in this game uh, by holding a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't know how much team. I it's like I think it's uh, I think it's one hundred twenty pounds altogether that you can hold without being in Clumbered. Okay. Uh, but there is a skill that you can use to get around that. Uh, where you can basically be able to fast travel without. Yes, and that was the first skill I grabbed, just in case. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, inventory menu is kind of like the same as everything else. You can carry uh, four weapons. Uh, you can unequip and do whatever. But um, as well, obviously, you have your map on there. You have all your quests. Um, but you also have um, the, um, a, a, thing, a way to track, uh, to track obviously, what how your companions are doing. And you can also give your uh, companions who you have, which I'll, we'll get on to who the companions are uh, later. Um, but yeah, um, you can basically help the companions and you can choose how they level up, what perks they get, uh, what weapons they have, what armor they have. You have full control over what they do. In a way, it's kind of like um, they have no independence at all. And they even have special abilities you can use too. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really good segue into the next way I was going to talk about. Um, they all have these special abilities as well when you have them out, uh, and you can command them to all these special moves, as I like to call them. Um, and it, it, it's variety, like they can pull out a gun and shoot, they can slam a hammer down, they can like stamp everywhere and put uh, acid everywhere. Um, they can... Uh, yeah, and they can. We can get into it. all the abilities after, but I mean, like, yeah. you, get, you get the gist of it. You get the gist of it. Everyone's unique to their own skill sets. Right. As different companions. Um, but another thing we didn't mention about um, the way you can customize your uh, person is by the attributes you can give them at the start of the game. Um, and essentially, what these attributes are is literally, if you want to give them like. They have like a certain advantage when it comes to like strength, uh, intelligence, perception, like the time, the temperament, uh, all these different things that lead to a uh, dexterity, um, and all these different stuff uh, that can all be leveled up throughout the game. Uh, and you can choose at the start of the game how good they are at each one, or you can put them below average and you get a disadvantage with it. Trust me, you don't want to have that. Yes. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, I actually did that, so it's probably a good time to talk about that. So Yeah, 
Uh, well, he's actually did that. Yeah, I, I did. And how did that go for um, you at the start? It, it's honestly not going that bad so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm doing just fine. I'm trying to remember which one did you put down. It was your hand well, guns, we're gonna we're gonna mention that. So, um, I had charm and temperament both at average, which gives you a plus three to the base skill. Apparently, I had strength and dexterity at good, which gives you a plus three. I had intelligence at uh very high, which gives you a plus five. So I had a really good intelligence, which gives me like better persuasion skills like that. And the one that I put below average, which is a minus three, is perception. And that affects headshots and weak spot damage bonuses. So that's the one I put uh weak here. Uh that's fair enough. And personally I would Because I was basically Well, I was going for, you know, high intelligence character that, you know, did a lot of one handed melee. So I mean, if I'm doing a lot of one handed melee, I figure I don't need like as many headshot bonuses. So Yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah. If you're going for a certain build, then I can't blame you. Right. So, but um, we can kind of dig into those, you know, after a little bit deeper. Um, there's three different types of categories, I guess you call them. You know, you had the body category, which has strength and dexterity. Strength will affect melee weapon and damage and the amount of weight you can carry. It affects one-handed melee, two-handed melee, heavy weapons, block, inspiration, and intimidates. Uh, dexterity affects melee attack speed and range weapon reload speed. Affects one-handed melee. Handguns, dodge, block, sneak, and lockpick. Then you have the skills of the mind. You have intelligence, which affects critical hit bonus. It affects long guns, persuasion, hack, medical, science, and determination. And then you have perception, which is the one I put below average. It affects headshot and weak spot damage bonuses. It affects handguns, long guns, heavy weapons, dodge, lockpick, and engineering, which I'm still happy with that choice, to be honest with you, because out of all the stuff I just listed, the only thing I really care about a little bit is lockpicking, which I can still get that up by itself. So, um, And then we have personality, which affects charm. That affects faction reputation and companion cooldowns. It affects persuasion, lie, intimidate, hack, science, and inspiration. And the last one you have is temperament, which improves your natural health regeneration. It affects two-handed melee, lie, sneak, medical, engineering, and termination. So that's kind of what we have there. Um, so of all of these, you know, where do you kind of stand with them, Zombie? Which ones do you think are kind of important and which ones maybe aren't as important? Um, for me, the ones I think are very important is if you have uh, strength, intelligence, perception, and charm. All right. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with uh, all those except perception a little bit. I mean... But that's because I was going for an anti-gun build. Like, I still use guns, but I'm not as heavy on the guns. Like, right now for my character, I'm mainly using my hammer and the flamethrower, which the flamethrower is kind of less of a gun and more of like a area control thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, but with perception as well, you can uh, use that as a way to uh, get things out of people by just having a keen eye about things as well. Helps towards your persuasion. I already have a really high persuasion, though, I mean... Which we'll get into the companions after, but you know, especially if I have certain companions with me, I have to have a persuasion of like eighty or so. So. Yeah, yeah, but your perception opens up new paths apart that persuasion cannot, as well. Fair enough. So. But I mean, I think all of them offer you know something uh different that's unique. So I mean, I think um these skill trees are very cool and they offer a lot of different um playthroughs and everything. And basically, each separate skill, like say for example, um. For example, one-handed melee or persuasion, 
basically, if you look at those skills, then each skill has a separate unlock as you go up the skill tree for that. So uh, if you get to like level 20 with a certain skill, you get an extra bonus to it. If you get to level 40, you get an extra bonus. It goes all the way, uh, every 20, all the way to 100. And each time you pass a threshold, you get an extra bonus to that skill. Yep, and a lot of them actually are useful. Like, there's nothing in the whole attributes that is actually uh, worthless, which I like. I mean, the one thing that I would say doesn't really appeal to me as much, maybe that's I don't use it a whole lot yet, but... There's this thing in the Outer Worlds called TTD, which we haven't explained yet. So do you want to explain what that is? Uh, so TTD is, it's very, I forgot what it stands for. I think it's like Time Tactical Duration. Uh, and essentially what that is, is um, when you use, uh, in your gameplay, when you, if you press the right bumper or R1, if you're playing on the PlayStation, uh, basically uh, it's, this thing called bullet time and what it does is it slows down time but if you have uh tdd with you you basically are able to uh analyze certain spots during that duration where you could either cripple you could um confuse you could daze enemies from like you get you could blind enemies so it gives you more of a chance after you come out of it but you can see all the weak spots of an enemy about where the best place would be to target them right yeah basically it helps with targeting stuff and it kind of slows things down and I do like the slowdown, like, um, how it looks on the screen. Like, it's kind of cool. It's like, I would basically liken it to anyone knows Prince of Persia. I think it reminds me of that. Like, um, Prince of Persia, you know, they don't make those anymore, but it had, like, kind of time stop mechanic to it where you could actually slow down time and basically get things done in real speed for you while everyone else is moving at slow speed or stopped. So. Um, it kind of reminds me of Prince of Persia, if you know what that is, that me. Um, I've heard of it, but never played it. They actually made a couple movies of that, too. I believe they made two movies of Prince of Persia. I saw one of the movies, anyways, but the movies were kind of like, eh, but they're not as bad. But yeah, it's basically a time stop type thing. I don't use it a ton. I don't know about you, Zombie. I mean, I use it on occasion. If I see a low enemy is like really low health, that's when I might use it, just to, you know, knock them off real quick and then move on. But uh, other than that, I don't really use it a ton. I found myself using bullet time a lot when I got to Monarch for the first time. Yeah, maybe with melee it's not as effective. I'm not sure because like I'm I want to try and play more melee once I get better weapons, but yeah, um, it's I don't not really as know useful. how. It's more yeah, useful it's for bullets. Useful hence the name bullet time. Right. Uh, yeah, cause melee you have to run up to them first. So like exactly so. And by that time you might be trying to find a weak spot. You come out of it, you're gonna immediately just get slapped. Yeah. So you won't have a time to target a weak spot during that time. But, I mean, it's somewhat useful, though, so... Yeah. But basically, um, that is one of the factors in the game, and, you know, some of the things that you upgrade, like, just for example, I'll go over the one-handed melee tree, because that's what um, I'm kind of focusing on a little bit as one of my trees. At level 20, the novice, you unlock power and sweep attacks. So it's basically you know, a more powerful attack or a sweep attack. Which, um, honestly, I haven't really mastered yet. Uh, at level 40, which is competent, you unlock TTD location hit effects. I think this is what Zombie was talking about, where you can actually like, pinpoint certain spots in the enemy. Uh, yeah. For level 60 is Adept, which uh, this is where I'm at with this one right now. I have level 60 unlocked. It one-handed melee weapon reach, plus 30%. So basically you have a bigger reach on your one-handed melee. So it, it sounds kind of weird, but like think of it as like you know you got... An extra arm extension. Now your arm's extended for, I guess. So, 
it, it sounds kind of weird thinking about it. Like, all right, just just extend my arm a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, you have a thirty percent uh, longer arm. Let it grow. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I level eighty expert one-handed melee weapon TTD drain minus fifty percent. So that means when you're using that TTD effect, it uh, reduces your TTD by fifty percent less. So basically, it uh, uses half of the time that it's supposed to, basically, which is better, you know. So uh, and then level one hundred, the last level for this is master. Power and sweep attack, chance to stun, plus 25%. So you get a 25% chance to stun with the power and sweep attack. So that's kind of just gives you a gist of one of the, um, I guess you call it a, a tree. is Because um, there's a lot of different aspects to this, but I guess you probably call it a civic skill tree. So Yeah, that'd be a good way for it. But basically, that you have that same kind of thing where you have five different levels and five different bonuses. For each skill. So you have, you know, your two-handed melee, you have lockpick, you have intimidate, persuade, sneak, uh, long guns, handguns, just medical, just to name a few. So you have that for all those, and you kind of go through the levels and level those up. And basically, once you get to level 50, then you can increase a skill specifically. Until you get to level 50, it increases all the skills in that uh, category at once. So, for instance, um, in the dialogue category, if I put a skill point into the dialogue category before level 50, it increases Intimidate, Persuade, and uh, blanket Lying. There you go. Intimidate, Persuade, and Lying. It increases all three at the same time. But once you get to level 50, then you have to increase each one individually. So it kind of takes longer to level them up at that point. So that's kind of how that works. Um, Zombie, did you have a certain build you're going for with your character? Just kind of more dialogue and guns, and that's it? Or? Uh, mine was using uh, firearms and dialogue. Okay. I did go for a little bit more onto the uh, lockpicking, too, because I want to make that easier for when I find like doors I want to unlock. So I did go a little bit higher on that as well so far. Fair enough, it's a useful skill. It, it can be, for sure. But that's kind of how um, skills and attributes work. But there's another piece to this, and that is the perks. So uh, basically, perks come in three different tiers. I've gotten to tier two at this point. Um, I'm assuming tier three perks are, you know, ridiculously good compared to the tier one and two zombie, because I haven't actually played with tier three perks yet. But uh, I'll let you experience that and give your opinion. I'm a bit mixed on the matter. Okay. Fair enough. But basically how it works is every two levels your character goes up, you, as you're earning XP, you get a perk. So at level two, you get a perk. At level four, you get a perk. At level six, and so on. And every two levels, you get a single perk. And in tier one, you get uh, five perks before tier two unlocks. Is it the same for tier three unlocking zombie? If you get five perks in tier two, does it tier three unlock? Is that how that works? Yeah. Okay. So basically, if you get five and five, then you can unlock tier three. And then I think um, you can go down, though, correct? Like, say you have tier three unlocked and you want to get an extra tier one perk, you can do that, correct? Yes. Okay, I thought so. So basically, you're not locked into a certain tier, but you uh, have to put a certain amount of perks into tier one and two if you want to unlock the next tier of perks. But just to name the tier one perks, just so you guys kind of have an idea of what the starting stuff is, you have a few bits more. 
which is vendor ammo plus 100%. Um, I guess I'll just name the effects. I mean, it's not going to matter to you guys what the name of the perk is until um, you actually play the game. So I'll, I'll just name the different effects you can get because, you know, saying what uh, pack meal is, I mean, it's not going to matter to you unless you actually play the game. So um, sprint speed plus 20%. They have XP for companion kills plus 50%. Equipment durability loss minus 25%. Additional 25% damage when traveling alone. Carry weight plus 50. Companion crit chance plus 15%. TTD recharge rate plus 50%. TTD meter max plus 25%. Base armor plus 10. Walk speed plus 25%. Vendor surcharge minus 25%. Base health plus 50%. And fast travel when encumbered. So, just to tell you the ones that I used to get to tier 2, I used fast travel when encumbered, base health uh, up 50%, base armor up 10, I used, let's see, what else we used, extra 50% XP for companion kills, that way I get XP from them killing people a lot better, and then the last one I used was, oh yes, uh, vendor surcharge minus 20%, so basically cheaper prices from vendors. So that's the five that I used. Um, What's some of the kind of ones that you'd like better than that, Uh, Well, the ones I used was... Um, I uh, used, obviously, the um, travel, Fast Traveling while Uncumbered. That's a really good one. Yeah, I, th I think that one's a given. I I, everyone has to get that one, I think. Yeah. I, I also got the Sprint Speed, the Walk Speed. Um, I thought about those, yeah. Uh, got, like, XP kills and a, few, a lot more. Like, base armor, Mac, uh, Mac like... 50% max hell. So, yeah, that's kind of the gist I went for. Fair enough. And how is that extra speed working for you? Because, I mean, that, that is one that I thought about getting, but I was trying to decide between couples. So, uh, the sprint speed is one I almost got. Yeah, you do go a lot faster when sprinting. And you can, uh, it takes you longer to get out of breath and stuff like that. And it probably helps when there's a lot of enemies around you because you can kind of sprint away from them better. Yeah, yeah, it does. Fair enough. But that just kind of gives you an idea of the perks. Um, Just tier two, just you know, going down the list a little bit. Um, Zombie, if you have, like, one or two that you want to mention from Tier 2 that you would like the best, just to kind of give people an idea of, you know, what it kind of progresses to. When you do get to Tier 2, uh, there, are, there is a lot more. So I think there's um, one for minimap targeting, I'm pretty sure. Like, I, I, I can barely remember, like, most of them, but... I don't see one for minimap now. Like, I, I can say that the first one I took was Soliloquy, which uh, gives you Dialogue plus 10 when not using companions, but um, unfortunately I didn't read the fact that it's when not using companions, so I'd have to use no companions for that. So And he was that pretty annoyed sucks. on stream when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> he said, he's like, oh no, yeah, I mean, no, uh, I just realized what I'm it like, gave. oh yes, an extra 10 to dialogue. Yeah, so <laughs> I saw the extra 10 to dialogue, I'm like, oh yes, I like that. But um, it's only when you use no companions, so unfortunately I have to get rid of all my you know, cool companions if I did that one. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, um, Zombie says, I don't know if anyone else knows any other way, but apparently there's no way to ever change your perks. So, you're nope. locked in forever. You're locked in. You can never change them. Ever. Which I think is kind of uh, a mistake on the game's part, because, I mean, people that are just playing through this for the first time, they might make some wrong choices, and they can never change those. Yeah. So, but I think that's maybe why they want you to play through more than once. That way you can, like, kind of, you know understand things better the second time, I guess. Yeah, exactly that. But they had different things like your companion abilities uh, reset faster, 
which are like the special abilities that they can use and stuff like that. So uh, they have, you know, better vendor buying prices when they buy items for you. There's a movement penalty to accuracy, extra carrying capacity for companions. There's actually a perk as well that restores health on kills. So um, that just kind of mentions, you know, some of the gist of it. And then tier three, I haven't gotten there yet, but I do have the list in front of me, so I, I can see what is available there, I guess. Um, but like, just to name a couple that sound interesting at first glance, there's 15% melee damage returned as health. That sounds interesting. They have plus 30% movement speed during TTD for five seconds. That doesn't sound that bad. There's actually one that's straight up damage, uh, plus 20% damage, which, you know, damage is always nice. And there's a last stand that gives you plus 30% damage while under 25% health. So that's not bad because, you know, if you're really low in health, you can get some extra damage in there. There's one to uh, revive companions. And there's one that gives you extra armor. So just different things like that. I mean, we're not going to go through every single one. But that just kind of gives you a feel for what the game is doing with their perks. So that gives you a big, basically uh, a good gist, I would say. Do you agree with that, Zombie? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Now... There are some flaws as well, though. Basically, flaws negatively impact the player or their companion stats, but they're granted one per point immediately to balance it out. And there's no negative consequences to rejecting a flaw. So, have you used any flaws? Uh, no, because um, you you get given uh, a negative uh, thing for your character if you do accept one of the flaws. Uh, it doesn't affect your companions, it only affects you. Um, but I don't accept them for the simple reason of I'd rather not have a perk where I take plus 25% more damage from like a plasma rifle, for example, or plasma damage, or like fire damage. I'd rather not have to deal with that because it just becomes a real pain, I'm right. guessing. So I just never accept them. When I get a fly, I just, I just deny them. I'm like, no, sorry. Which I kind of like that you have the ability to either say, oh, yes, I'll take a flaw, or no, I don't want a flaw. I kind of like how that works. Yeah, there's a lot of different types. I mean, like, I think it can be handy if, um, say you, you know, play through the game, and if you're really experienced with the game, you're like an expert in it, you're like, okay, I know I get this many perks by playing through the game normally. There's one more perk that I want besides the ones I usually take. Okay, maybe you take one flaw that you think isn't going to hurt you that bad just to get that one extra perk slot. So, like, I think it could be good if you have only one perk that you really want, and maybe you take one flaw that you think won't hurt you that bad. So, like, there's probably some flaws in the list here that uh, certain players might not be affected by them as much. Yeah, there definitely is, but I just didn't accept one either way. Like, for example, uh, there's one flaw in here that says paranoid, uh, personality attributes minus one. So, basically, if you're going for a playthrough that's not very dialogue heavy, then that is a flaw that wouldn't actually be that bad for you. Because if you're not going very dialogue heavy... The personality attribute minus one isn't going to affect you too bad. No, it, it wouldn't. So like, it really depends on what you're kind of going for. But like, um, there are ones that affect damage, though, like you said, too. Uh, for example, there's the plasma weakness, plasma damage received, plus 25%. Those are the kind of flaws that I would probably never uh, suggest taking because you're getting extra damage from something. So uh, why? I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, why would you do that? Like, why would you and there's one that's, yeah, like, there's some really bad ones, like, permanently crippled, movement speed minus 30%, unable to dodge, like, no, 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 why would you want that? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, so there, there's some of these that are really bad, but there's some that um, aren't too, too bad, actually. Like, 
There's mind attributes minus one, um, plus 100% range weapon spread. That isn't the greatest, but if you're going for like a completely non-gun uh, playthrough, then it's not going to affect you at all. So like, there's some of these that if you really um, work them to your advantage, they can work well. Or like for example, melee weapons minus 10, or range weapon skills minus 10. There's two flaws like that. So again, if if you're going for a certain type of playthrough, say you're going for a no melee ever playthrough, then melee weapon skills minus 10 that never affects you. So it, it really depends on what type of playthrough you're going for. It definitely goes, and, and that's why it, g- it gives the obviously the replayability there. Because then you're able right. to go back and see, like, oh, what would have happened if I'd have done this, for example. Exactly. So, so I think that kind of covers, um, you know, attributes, flaws, perks, and how that all works for characters. So, we, uh, unless you have any other thoughts on that, Zombie? No, I think we've pretty much explained everything. But, um, basically, then we have quests. There's a lot of side quests in the game. We're not obviously going to go over all the side quests. But the main quests, we have Balance Due. Uh, Brave New World comes now, the power, kept secret but not forgotten, long distance, passage to anywhere, radio free monarch, stranger in a strange land, the city and the stars, the demolished woman, and the last quest in the game is the Puppet Masters. So, um, Zombie, remember which one I'm on officially? I think it's passage to anywhere, is that correct? Uh, yeah, because the next one is obviously, uh, the next one after that is radio free uh, monarch, which ties into the next major decision you've got to make over there. So, yeah. Okay, so I'm on quest six, and there's, let's see, there's actually 11 quests. I'm not actually that far um, away from the end zombie. I'm actually a, a little bit farther than I thought. I'm probably about 50% of the way through. No, that Monarch quest is very, very long. You're gonna oh, is it? For, okay. You're going to be there for a while. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> maybe some of them are longer than it says, but, but uh, these quests, you know, they start on different locations. Like, for example... One of them towards the end apparently starts in the HHC building, whatever that is. So um, there's some that start in the ground baker, some start in Edgewater. So it, it really depends. Um, but comes now the power is like the first uh, main decision in the game. And um, you get that quest from Reed Thompson. So you can kind of figure out more about that. And how many would you say uh, major decisions are in the game? If you had to guess, Zombie. Three or four. Okay. So basically through the first six, you only have one major decision. <laughs> So it's all it's all like really that back of you. Yeah, that's interesting though, because I mean, like, I wouldn't think they put everything like all the guns are back heavy, all the like big decisions are back heavy. So, like, I guess really towards the back end is when it really heats up, apparently. Yeah, like the minute you get into like about halfway through the game, you're just gonna get hit with it immediately and be like, oh my god, okay. What the hell? And would you say the three decisions I haven't made then are are they all tough decisions? Would you say? Yeah. No, no, sorry. So sorry, the one sorry. I... There are the uh, three of them are one of them isn't. Okay, so there's five main decisions in the game then. No, no, I said three. You've already done one of them. You're on your second one now. The third one after that would be uh, it would be hard to make, but then the last one is not that hard to make. Depends on how much of a certain person you want to be. Without giving stuff Okay, away. so basically, you would say the second and third decision are the hardest ones to make? Yeah, the second one takes a while to do, yeah. But I'm talking about decision-wise. Like, uh, morally, like, is it tough to make that choice, the second yes. and third one? Yeah, nice. the so, second one's uh, hardest. I'm glad that I like games that have tough choices like that, so. And even the first decision, like, I haven't seen the other ones yet, but the first decision isn't exactly, like, the easiest in the world to make, but it, it um, 
I would say it's probably less of a decision than probably what's coming up. Yeah, and plus I was obviously in the party giving you hints towards what you sh- you should do in that situation. But if I wasn't there giving hints, you probably would have done something completely different. I I might have done. I mean, but that's what I kind of like about the game is that there's different ways to do things. I mean, like everyone in the game is basically killable. So like you could technically just go for a playthrough where you just you know go around killing everyone. Or you could, like, you know, try to persuade everyone. Or There's so many different ways to play the game, and I, I like that. And, like, there's different paths. Like, the decision I already made, you can go the complete opposite direction with that decision, and it probably completely changes your game, I assume. Yeah. So, that's the quest, and obviously there's a ton of side quests involved with that. I believe the developers have said they are doing DLC for this game, is that correct? Uh, yeah. Next year. So, probably have some more uh, quests and different things come in there with that, but... Basically, when you put a quest on, it's, you know, kind of how it works normally with uh, a lot of games is you can toggle which one you want to be your active quest. And what I think is really cool is that whatever your active quest is, you actually get a big marker on your screen that tells you exactly where that location you have to go is. So I kind of like that, honestly, because the way I like to play, I don't like to have to wonder, okay, where am I supposed to be going? What? Like, I like to enjoy the story and just, you know, go from point A to point B and enjoy what comes between there. But I don't like to have to waste a lot of time going, okay, um, where do I have to go to get this done? Hmm. I like how it's just straightforward. It's like, okay, um, green marker, go here. Okay, go there. Perfect. Yeah. It, it definitely does help uh, to obviously have some indication about where you're going rather than having to just stroll around for ages trying to figure out where you need to go to. Exactly. And, you know, some people like that where you have to, like, stroll around like that. Like, some people like the, you know, exploration and adventure that, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not knocking that at all. You know, some people just like to um, have that more adventure feel where they have to figure out things on their own. But for me... I would just rather experience the story more, and I don't want to waste a lot of time searching. Uh, yeah, again, that's fair enough. It's to, it's, it's the way you uh, play games, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I just like as well how they organize the way the quests are. So you, you clearly know what your main quests are, what your side quests are, and what your companion quests are to do. Exactly. And from what you've told me, the companion quests are pretty fun. Is that correct? Yeah. Each one has their own personal backstory that you can get to know them for, and they'll become more loyal to you. Uh, the loyalty, by the way, doesn't affect the end game. I'll just say that out now, so you don't you don't have to do them. So yeah, it's just it's just another thing to get some backstory on them. So it's most because again, it goes towards how story driven this game is. You don't have to do the companion quests, but if you want to to get more insight on how your companions are, it's there for you to do and that is something that i definitely um will investigate doing more in the future just i was trying to get uh farther in the main storyline if i could help it which yeah i didn't do a ton of side quests so but i definitely want to explore some of those uh, companion quests afterwards but I-, I guess now is probably the time we should probably talk about those companions what do you think yeah we've been through everything just like you know like uh tiptoeing around all the companions you know we may as well just mention them now yeah and honestly i i think the companions are um some of the heart of the game and i think they're all really interesting um i didn't full disclaimer i have um met all six i didn't officially recruit uh neoka to my team yet so i don't officially have her on my team i haven't used her yet but i kind of know who she is and stuff now and the other five I have used. So I have used the other five. Uh, zombies use all six, correct? Yeah. Okay, so 
Neoka is kind of like the last one you can get access to. And uh, if I play probably like another, I'd say, hour, hour and a half, I could probably get access to her at that point. So I'm not too far away from access to her. Uh, you already have access to her. The minute you talked to her at the bars, when you had access to her. Oh, yeah. I, actually, now that you say that, I think I sent her back to my ship. Yeah, yeah I, just, you did. I didn't get to play as... Yeah, okay. Which, in I my didn't opinion, get to play as because kind I had of a to stupid ship. move to do, because she kind of gives you directions around Monarch, but uh, it's another way well, you can I play didn't it. know that, okay? <laughs> Well, it's obvious when you said, oh... I figured go, I'd use her next. It's obvious when the quest says, oh, go and recruit um, a skilled hunter and somebody who actually is a guide. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, speaking of Nyoka, since um, you, you haven't put a lot of time with her, we might as well just start with her first, shouldn't we? Let's do it. Okay, so Nyoka, my second favourite. Uh, I, I, I used her a lot. She has... A backstory and a half, like, wow. So, she she grew up on Monarch, and she is a hunter. That is her profession, she's a hunter. Uh, she goes around exterminating uh, creatures, helping people out, getting bounties for these creatures. When you first see her, she's kind of a bit... Not, let's just say she's not in kind of, like, the best of moods. Uh, in a sense, it's like kind of drowning your sorrows. Uh, because she's lost a lot of her friends along the way of doing all of this business that she does. I won't say any more than that, because that's obviously backstory for you to do later, so you get to know her more right. for that. But yeah, essentially, she's mourning over something, that's what I'll say. And you, it, you, when you do the thing, you, you can bring it out of her, and you'll get to know her more, and you actually do really feel sorry for her. Fair enough. But if I was to get onto the skills about how useful she is, uh, she's really good at being... Uh, she's really good at lying. She's very good at being there for, obviously, sneaking around and medical skills, because, obviously, she's learned all that on the field. And, obviously, hunting down these monsters, she's learned how to, like, banish herself up and sneak around. Um, when you have her with you, uh, one of her... Two other skills that she has that are really useful is she has one called the Hunter. And that is a minus 20% radius of your footsteps down, so you're not going to be spotted as easily by people when you have her with her, because your footsteps are going to be 20%... Less quite like obviously quieter, but not as big in radius. Yeah, well, I mean, why don't we mention um, all of her stuff too? Well, we're talking about her. So, um, her perks that she does offer that are like unique to her: she has bonus support lie plus ten lie skill, hunter, which you just mentioned, minus twenty percent radius of footsteps sounds, and exterminator plus twenty percent damage to creatures. Um, the skills that she kind of uh, affects are lie, sneak, and medical. And her special um, companion ability is Barrage, which she uses her personally modified LMG to deal damage to her target and set enemies near to blaze. Uh, yeah, I like that LMG move. I was about to mention all that, but okay. Um, kind of beat me to the foot there, but alright. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but okay then. Anyway, carrying on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah. Well, you can talk more about it if you want. I'm just saying that. Um, I, I, I was gonna. To, it's like, fine. You pretty much explained everything already. You you rushed ahead, but it's fine. Uh, but yeah, um, her <laughs> skill's really good if you want to target a certain like enemy that's really tough, and you can do more damage to it beforehand. So, example, there's a creature called the Manta Queen on Monarch, which is one of the toughest things you're gonna fight in this game. So, if you have Neoka with you, that's really good because. You can take that down quicker because not only does she have the plus 20 damage to obviously, like, all creatures because she's a hunter, but she also has that LMG that she can use to set the thing ablaze, which basically makes it even more easier to take down than obviously 
having what Blaze did and him getting wrecked by it several times. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's true. But. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I kind of did this out of order. So let me get back on order and start with the first person that you recruit, uh, that being uh, Parvati. Um, and uh, she is someone you meet in uh, Edgewater. She's like the first recruitable companion that you get in the game. Uh, and she's an engineer for Edgewater. And um, she basically affects all the fields of having like your persuasion, your lot picking, and your engineering. Because she's one of those uh, people that has a soft heart. She's a kind-hearted person. So it's a, lot, it's a lot easier to persuade people with her because they, they kind of feel sorry for her. Because she doesn't know a lot about the world. Um, and the uh, support things that she gives to you is a plus 10 engineering skill. Uh, she can also f extract mods from the field, like your weapon mods. Uh, there's a 10% chance that she can do that. Uh, and she also gives you um, more time with your um, TDD, uh, TTD meter. Uh, she gives you a plus 25% with that, giving you more time to use it. And her special move is basically she'll uh, she slams her hammer, uh, causing a blast wave that shocks all the enemies and stuns all the mechanicals, which is a really good move if you're going for a character that has crowd control because that kind of knocks all enemies to the floor immediately, and that way you can gain advantage of the situation if there's a lot of enemies around. And that's why I find her useful, and that's why she's my favorite because she has such a touching story that I actually like. I actually like it's kind of like a bond I had with her, and I was like, I actually like this character. A lot. So, yeah, Pavatis is the most yeah, interesting I mean, for me, but, yeah. I liked her a lot so far. Um, Basically, for me, I'm still trying to get used to all the different ones. So, I'm trying to try them all out a little bit before I decide, um, you know, which ones I like best. But, um, so far, I think she's pretty cool. And I haven't get to try Nyoka yet. But, um, I would say for sure that the one that is my least favorite so far, I think will stay as my least favorite is the Vicar, which is also called Maximilian DeSoto. And uh, I think you would agree with that. He's probably your least favorite as well. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I didn't get a really keen feeling for Max because it's a Vicar and um, his story isn't exactly like interesting in a way that makes you intrigued about him. Though the only, find, the only thing I find hilarious is, is in his um, training to become a Vicar, he learned how to hack machines. He let out to hack and shoot a gun when becoming a vicar, which really confused me. I'm like, really? That's in your training? Yeah, that's, that's what every vicar does, you know? <laughs> yeah, probably that's what every vicar does in the outer worlds. They bloody get trained in hacking machines and bloody shooting a shotgun. But, you know, anyway, uh, going away from unlogic scenarios, um, when you have Max with you, he uh, gives you a plus 10 in your hack skill. Uh, he has a 20% dialogue combat effect duration. Uh, and he uh, also has a plus 20% uh, science weapon damage, which I love the name of this because it's called Mad Max, and that's a really nice reference, by the way. Just, I see Very what he did there. See what he did there. <laughs> I didn't know it was called Mad Max, but that's that's actually pretty good. Good, good job with that. <laughs> uh, and the skills he affects is uh, Intimidate, Hack, and Science. And those support skills kind of prove that. Uh, and his, his skill, which I love, by the way, when I tried this out, is 
He, um, he examines and evaluates his targets spiritually and enlightens them. I love this description. But with a blast from his shotgun that sends them flying. Yeah, I mean, who else doesn't let their, you know, targets with a shotgun? I mean, <laughs> hey. <laughs> it gets the message across pretty well, you know? Yeah, and he's the second companion that you can get in the game. Now, the third right, one... Right, and that's we'll also on... from Edgewater. Yeah. Now, the third one you can get, uh, if we're going by, if you meet them first... Uh, is actually Felix. Um, Which uh, I'll stop you really fast and just say Felix, I think, is going to be my favorite. Um, so far, I like his personality. I like his storyline, but go ahead. Okay, so uh, with Felix, um, he uh, he lived, he uh, got abandoned by his parents and was living on um, the Groundbreaker in the back bays, which is like basically the poor place uh, that basically put all the dock workers to work and all that. Where, where I also murdered everyone. Yeah, well, you also murdered everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the support skills he gives is he has a plus 10 persuade skill. Um, he has a plus 20 uh, damage to cowering enemies. That's enemies that if you were to shoot them enough, they just cower and don't attack you. And then he has plus 20 damage to corporate military, which when you meet him, it makes sense because he's kind of rebelling against authority when you first meet him. Uh, and he affects your uh, persuade, sneak, and lockpicking skills. Now, his actual special skill that he uses is uh, a drop kick, and uh, he charges into a target, leaps into the air, and slams into the target with both feet, basically drop kicking them. And I really want to see how that works when you're trying to hit an auto-mechanical with it. It probably wouldn't do any effect, but it'd probably break his feet doing so. Just saying. But, you know... Uh, nah, he's got steel feet. Steel he's got, feet. He's got steel feet, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he, yeah. He replaced him for his drop kicks. <laughs> well, you just seem automatically putting metal feet on just to do the move. Exactly. <laughs> he's got to change his feet real quick. I can could, I could just imagine that. Hold on, let me change my feet. Change though he's getting shot, he just gets knocked down to the floor. You have to wait, like because the ch- the skill's already been used, but he's knocked down on the floor. <laughs> so you have to wait a couple of seconds before you can use it again. Uh, yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I I didn't really understand how this worked. Um. When I was playing through, because I didn't realize every character gets like special skills that are unique to them, and that you should probably take those skills because bootlickers, the um damage to carry enemies, I didn't actually take that skill, so I lost that on that one. But oh, yeah, well. but I think that's kind of useless because if you have a carrying enemy from your uh, persuasion skill, they're not going to attack you. So why would you need to add a damage to them? That, that might be true. Yeah, so... I, I think what I gave him inst- instead of that is I think I gave him extra melee damage or I gave him extra health. So I, maybe that's more useful. That's what I was thinking, yeah, because you're probably going to have to face like some board people or something like that, so it's probably really good to have that skill. So the fourth companion is uh, Ellie, and uh, Ellie is uh, a doctor, um, who you find on the ground broker as well. Um, I'm going, I go by this about how you meet them, because technically what you can do is meet Ellie first, and then meet Felix. You could do it the other way around, but, um, but yeah, uh, when you find Ellie, obviously she's in kind of a sticky situation we're trying to get to a friend but he won't let her into the medical ward there which makes no sense because she's the doctor just saying but you know uh but anyway uh when you have ellie with you uh the support perks she give uh that she has is she gives uh, a plus 10 to your medical skill uh she gives a plus 20 percent uh heal amount uh granted by the medical inhaler uh, and I recover 25% uh, health when fatally wounded, and it has a cooldown of 5 minutes. 
the skills that she affects is your lie, your medical, and your engineering skill. I did not know she affects your engineering. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, maybe she has some, you know, engineering training maybe, with the medical yeah. stuff. Maybe, yeah. I, I did not know she had an engineering thing that she affected. <laughs> okay, that's something you, you learn every day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, and her special move is she... Uh, <laughs> I love it because it's called Quick Draw, and that's essentially what happens is she just pulls out a pistol really quickly and fires off a series of precision shots that hit a target. They don't miss. They immediately just, she pulls it out, shoots it, and it hits a target with about five shots. And then she pushes back away and you can carry on. And it's a very quick one, hence the name Quick Draw. Yeah, I'd yeah. say it's one of the more boring specials, but it's effective though. It is very effective, and it does provide use towards the end of the game as well. Honestly, um, looking at the perks of everyone, I don't think she has a bad perk. Like, I think all three of her perks are really Yeah, her useful. perks are really useful. Yeah, I can't see anything wrong with them at all. Like, especially first responder, I think it's such a good perk. I mean, the extra heal granted by the medical hair, like, that, yeah, that's such a good perk. Um, there's definitely, there's, def- there's like, a really, like, when you see people play, like, especially for me, I've always seen them have, like, an Ellie or a Parvati, um, duo or a felix and ellie i've never seen one that doesn't have ellie with it apart from what i tried because i wanted to try something else yeah i think felix and ellie might be the duo i want to go with uh, personally so you yeah, have seen, I've seen them yeah they work they really they bounce off each other when it comes to like uh, their wits which works as well so i've seen it <laughs> that uh, happen but yeah it is uh pretty useful to have both of them because you can have that rebellion damage on top of obviously having all of the skills that ellie has and it works really well towards the back end of the game i'll say that now i've seen it happen it works really well uh but yeah um and moving on to uh the last companion uh yeah sam i uh, am sam uh, it's a robot a cleaning robot and all it does likes to do is clean um li- literally that's all it likes to do is clean uh but yeah <laughs> uh so it's uh, Sam is a bot that you can basically miss if you're not exploring your ship. If you're not exploring your ship, you'll miss him. But yeah, he's on your ship the whole time, and he has his own little room that you have to do. You have to go and get this um, certain things to activate him. And by things, I mean one thing that you find in the storage says on the rose or uh, roseway. But uh, apart from that, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the support skills that he has is the. Um, he has a minus uh, 25% ha- um, harmful status effect duration. Uh, he has a bonus uh, to your uh, intimidate by plus 10. Because obviously it makes sense he's a robot. People would be intimidated by that. He has one that has a plus 20% damage to auto mechanicals. Which is very useful towards the end of the game. I'll say that again. Uh, and then he has um, minus 20% negative reputation per kill, which is good in case you're killing members of the board, for example. Your <laughs> your reputation won't go down as low as it would be if you normally killed them without Sam being there. Yeah, so basically, Sam's you want to have. You fight uh, board members and robots. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and his special move is... Oh my god, I love this. And I think this is why Beats said to check this out, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll read, it's called Decontaminate. And it's basically, this is the whole description. Sam jumps into the air and slams down near his target, sweeping out a caustic cleaning fluids all around to get out to get out those really tough stains. <laughs> to, get, nice. to get that, basically. And it's actually good for his enemies? 
to get that, basically, uh, if, if I need to explain this in terms that people don't actually understand, is essentially, he just slams down, uh, throws a, a corrosive um, fluid around him, and it affects all the enemies, essentially, and gives them a corrosive status effect. Is what I'm getting from it. I haven't personally tested the skill, but I'm guessing that's what it is. But yeah, I love the way they actually explain that, because that's actually really funny. Yeah, uh, and that rounds up, basically, every companion that you can get in the game. So, yeah. Yeah, and so far, I would say that Sam and Felix are the ones I'm liking a little bit more. I like the perks Ellie has. Um, I'm not really sold on Vicar that much. Parvati, um, I see her merits, but she's not my style as much, so I don't think she's going to be used as much by me. I think uh, Nyoka has potential, but I haven't really tried her out yet. So I think for me, um, toward an endgame, I'm probably going to always have Felix with me and then switch between Ellie and Sam. That's probably what I'm going to end up doing. Okay, that's fair enough. It's different to me. So see, that's the way replayability works. Like, literally, different duos. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I think basically I'm going to have a duo of Felix and Ellie at some points of the game. And then a duo of Felix and Sam at some points. It's probably my uh, yeah. goal. Anyway, moving on from that, one thing uh, that we've also tiptoed around until now is talking about the factions in depth. Now, I can't talk about every single faction because Blaze hasn't met every single faction. So, and me talking about this now, me realizing that you have missed one faction that's actually on the Groundbreaker. I forgot to mention that. That's my fault. But yeah. Yeah, you missed right, one. Okay. Um, and you looked up at the sign when you explored around. I think you might have noticed a sign called Starlight. That might have caught your eye. Massive bright yellow sign. Maybe. I didn't, it's, it's literally, it, so it's essentially, right now, uh, when you go on the ground breaking next time, it's um, the opposite side of where the board are currently placed. You can't miss it. Okay. It's a really bright sign. But yeah, that's another faction that is in the game. I can't go in depth with them yet because you haven't met them. But, um, and a board I can't really go in depth with because I'll spoil what half the bloody story, so I can't talk about the board, but all I know is that, all you should know so far is that Blaze is a representative of the board, and not the board physically themselves. So... Yes. Udam, yeah. whatever the hell his they name like, is. That's the way the board <laughs> likes to operate, they like to use representatives. Like, they had a representative that controlled, um, that controls uh, Edgewater. They have a representative that uh, is on the Groundbreaker. Like, they have representatives, they don't actually have a permanent member of the faction there. So, that kind of gives you some hints towards what to expect, but, yeah. Now, if we are getting into these factions, uh, you've got... One of the first ones that you meet is uh, the Spacious Choice faction that operate out of Edgewater. And uh, Spacious Choice is a company that manufactures weapons, drinks, and food, and it's just... Yeah, it's just an overall just company that's trying to make a living, essentially. Uh, it's a popular one. Same with Anticleo that you meet in Roseway. Uh, they're the exact same. But Spacious Choice and Anticleo are kind of at war with each other because they do the exact same thing, but one company wants on top of the other. They want to out um, outbid the other. Uh, so you have that little uh, interesting feud going on there. Yeah, it, it, Spacious Choice is kind of interesting. Um. I forget what the, their exact jingle is again. What is it again? I I forget. I forget that jingle all the time. Me, eh? uh, it's very catchy though. <laughs> but it's something about like spacer's choice. If you want the best, don't you spacer's choice. It's, 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 it's spacer's choice. Um, 
Don't choose the worst, choose the best in Spacious Choice. Something like that. Uh, all factions have a jingle like that, which I also like, because that's really, like, that kind of appeals to real life, because all companies nowadays have actual slogans to everything, so it works really well. So, like, let me ask you this, then. Like, I haven't obviously met a lot of the factions yet or done a lot for them. Um, do you basically, by the end of the game, like, affiliate more with one faction over another, or no? You can... The way you're going down the road right now is... Uh, most factions are pretty much going to trust you. All factions will probably be friendly with you. But you never okay. have to pit a faction against Why another. Why is that? You never have to do anything like that. Why are most of them going to trust me, you say? Okay, so, like, obviously, if you go off what you did in the first base um, scenario, uh, during your first major decision, um, right. based on the first major decision, I'm not going to explain what it is, but all I'm going to say is, Blaze, you've gained probably um, near max trust, uh, or, or all it takes you to do a few more side missions, but you've nearly gained max trust with probably the deserters and uh, Spacer's Choice of that first decision that you made. So well, the deserters don't love me right now, but they don't hate me either. They're kind yeah, of exactly. But, uh, but I probably have to do a if side you do two side me. missions for them, they'll be up uh, all the way at the top. So all I'll say is that well, I'm assuming they don't really play a factor in the rest of the game, right? Because like no, they don't. What's that? Uh, they 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 do they do um they do come in towards the end of the game, but that okay. is another major decision that comes down the line. It's like the fourth one. Um, but yeah, um, let's just say it's not going to be as easy as what you did on Edgewater as it is going to be when you do Monarchs. Well, that's all I'll say. It's not going to be as easy. That's why you're on there for such a while. All right. Well, I'll have to I'll have to figure out what's going on and decide what I want to do. Basically, yeah. uh, having a high reputation with a faction, does that just mean that you get like better prices with them and stuff? Or what's yeah, like better the prices, discounts, uh, better, better prices, better discounts, pretty much that's it. Okay. And if you have a lower reputation with a faction, does that mean they're probably going to attack you on site yes. or something? It, that's exactly what it means. They're probably just going to attack you on okay. site, yeah. Um, okay. So, the Groundbreaker is another faction as well. I mean, it's an independent place from, obviously, the board, but it's its own one as well. So if you help people around the Groundbreaker, uh, your trust is going to be up there as well. I can kind of tell, based on, like, a little bit of the story so far, that you probably could get a higher reputation with the board if you wanted to and kind of, like, be, like, an agent for the board. Yeah. So. Yeah, the board's a faction, yeah. Because, like, basically... Yeah, because, like, the Udom guy, like, or wherever his name is, like, he basically wants me to give up Phineas and... I guess you probably could go down that route where, like, yeah, let, let me betray Phineas. So you probably could go yeah, down that route. Yeah, you definitely could. Which I'm kind of curious how that route would go, but I'm not going to go that route personally. But I'm I already tried going down that route. Um, is it all, all I'll say is you have to go to Gladius and you have to pay 8,000 bits. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's it? The other route yeah, has Yeah, but you have to do 10,000 to get to Monarch, but you also then have to pay the 8,000. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, damn! <laughs> so you have to pay eighteen thousand. Jesus Christ! <laughs> the bo- uh, literally, the groundbreaker is gonna murder my bank account. <laughs> it literally does. It slaughters it. Like you build up all this money at the start of the game, and then you have to just sell it away in order to advance the story. It breaks your account. <laughs> you you're broke. <laughs> by the time you get to monarch, even players can say, that even players can say, by the time you got to monarch, you were probably broke, weren't you? Um, yeah, yeah, I remember, much, I remember I mean, you saying like, you didn't I even have an five hundred. I even possibly. remember you saying you didn't even have enough to get ammo. 
<laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's how much he got broke by him. I just yeah. had to go with what I had. <laughs> hey, it is uh, what it is. Soft. <laughs> but um, so yeah, that's kind of how factions work. Um, one thing we did miss when talking about companions, though, you can touch on real quick is. You can actually level your companions up and um, give them perks. So we were talking about their specific perks, but um, basically, can you want to tell people how they exactly level up? Is it like basically when they get kills, they get more XP yeah, for themselves? Exactly. That. So when your companions get okay, more kills, right, they level up and then they'll eventually get access to getting perks. And you control what perks they get. It can be from getting like max health to actually getting the skills that have the support skills like a bonus uh intimidate for example or like bonus persuade um and you basically level them up based on the stats that they're meant for and you can increase the damage output uh, how much of a support they are to you how much of the threat they are to the enemy and not instead of you how much of uh, the threat they are they're not to the enemy instead of obviously they'll focus you instead um and stuff like that so, for example, you could have, like, a team of, like, Sam and uh, Parvati, for example, and make Sam a major target, so all the enemies focus Sam to begin with, instead of you and Parvati, but make Parvati a very low target, so then that way she could flank around, for example, and flank the enemies, and stuff like that. There's a lot of ways you can experiment around with it. Yeah, I think, honestly, when I have Sam my team, that's how I am going to play Sam, is, um... I'll get a couple of his specific perks, but I am going to try and make him, like, the, the target, and kind of use uh, Felix and uh, Ellie to kind of, you know, do other stuff with. Yeah, fair enough. But, but yeah, that's kind of how that works. Um, so, uh, honestly, I think we pretty much covered all the bases of the game. So, um, I, I think we should do a spoiler cast on this game um, after I have finished it. I think that'd be kind of a fun episode to do. Yeah, definitely. So, we'll have to talk about uh, that. It'll be If anyone's listened to our Borderlands 3 spoiler cast, it'd be kind of like that, where... We talk about full spoilers of what the game is and um, how the story goes. So that is an episode I plan to do in the future sometime. But like I said at the top of the episode, this is going to be our last regular episode for um, a while. We will have the Game of the Year episode, but um, I'm thinking sometime in January when I come back, we should do a spoiler cast in Outer Worlds. Okay. But is there anything else that we didn't cover that you think we no, should cover? No, I think we... Pretty much covered everything. Yeah, and Zombie was saying before we started that, you know, this is going to be a short episode. Like, nah, Zombie, it's not <laughs> going to. <laughs> yeah. This is how it usually goes. Yeah, no short episodes here, <laughs> unless he's on his own. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, well, if you're on your own, then, you know, it's easier to do a shorter episode because there's not a lot of back and forth banter. It's just yourself, so. <laughs> But especially introduction episodes, usually all of our introduction episodes run about an hour and a half because you're introducing someone to a game. So, I mean, you have to kind of talk about the basic yeah. game. So. But uh, I think this is a good episode. I think hopefully this will help people um, understand what they're getting into with Outer Worlds. I mean, so if, you know, you haven't played Outer Worlds yet and it's your first time hearing uh, about the game, I hope this will, you know, do a lot to teach you about what you're getting into. But that being said... If people want to get a hold of you, Zombie, when after they listen to this, uh, how can they get a hold of you? You can find me um, in Blaze's Discord at uh, Zombie Clarama. Just at me on there and I'll respond. Uh, and you can always find me on uh, Blaze's streams. Exactly. Except um, right now it would probably be Discord because yeah. I'm not going to be streaming again for like about three weeks. So, you know, for the next three weeks, probably just the Discord. But 
when I come back, you'll be in my streams as well. So, and as far as me, you can find me via email, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. You can find me with my Xbox gamer tag or Twitter at Blaze Experience. That's capital B L A I S E, capital X P E R I N C. And um, I will still be playing games, you know, during the break and everything. So if anyone wants to play games, I'm happy to do that. I just won't be uh, creating content during the break. So it'll be a content break, but I will still be playing games off and on. Uh, you can also contact me in the Discord, obviously. And I am on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you want to check those out, that'll be in the show notes. And if you want to listen to the episode, you're obviously listening to it right now. But other ways you can listen to it, you can listen to it on... Google Podcasts, you can listen to it on iTunes, Radio Public, and many, many other directories. Uh, there's Stitcher, Spotify, so listen to any on those directories. All you have to do is type into your search bar the Blaze Experience, and you will find us somewhere. If you don't want to use any apps like that, in my Discord, there is a channel that has direct download links. You can go to that channel and download any episode you want that I've ever done. All the episodes are there, so you just have to click on the link. It'll download directly to your device, and uh, I think that's a good way for people that don't want to have extra apps on their phone or something like that. That is a way you can get a specific episode. Say, I only want the Borderlands episodes. You can go there, just click a couple of links, and you get all the Borderlands ones, and that's all you'd have. So that option is available for you as well. And the podcast does uh, upload to YouTube as well, so you can check it out on YouTube too. But like I said at the top of the show, um, our next podcast you're going to hear from us will probably be uh, about New Year's. We'll have our Game of the Year episode. That's probably going to take a little while for me to edit that one. If you are a Patreon member, you will get access to that early. So if you want to become a Patreon member, that's going to be patreon.com slash experience. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash blaze experience and basically if you're a five dollar patient or higher you get access to bonus episodes and i will have some more bonus episodes coming out for patients that have uh, not been done yet but there are a few bonus episodes on there already so you can check those out if you want to get any merch over the break that i'm on you can get merch at teespring.com slash stores slash blaze experience that's going to be T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G slash S-T-O-R-E-S slash Blaze Experience. So that's B-L-A-I-S-E-X-P-E-R-I-N-C again. And that about does it for us today. So um, I will see you when I get back from the break. I will see you all for our Game of the Year episode. And I can't wait to come back strong from the break. There will probably be some changes to things. Um, probably not many changes to the podcast, but... I think I'm going to have uh, some more changes to the stream in the podcast, but podcast-wise, we're probably going to be about the same uh, schedule-wise, you know, an episode every weekend, and um, kind of the same style, but I think I might have some more changes to the stream, so we will go over that when I come back. But Zombie, I want to thank you for being here again. Yeah, no problem. I hope you had uh, fun today talking, you know, an hour and a half <laughs> on Outer Worlds. Yeah, that's sure. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you to you, the listener as well. I do appreciate all your support and I hope everyone has a great holiday season. So thank you as always for listening to Blaze Experience.